I liked this movie. This movie was bad. I did not like this movie. Movie bad. Bad movie. I loved this movie. Fuck this movie. I really did not like this movie. Oh no! Don't ruin the movie for me! I loved this movie. The movie was good. Alright, I just want to warn you, spoiler alert. Same, same can be said with, like, the drama. If if there are some actors that are trying to be funny, and then there's some actors that are trying to be more serious, like, sometimes it just doesn't blend well. Yeah. Which is why I think King Kong, the 2005 version, for me, that's that's my favorite monster movie, mm-hmm. because it just it blends the characters and um, the action scenes so well. I mean... You know, but I will say Godzilla vs. Kong or Kong vs. Godzilla, Adam Wingard, I was very happy that he did a big blockbuster and his style was all over. Like the neon lighting and everything, I was like, awesome. Glad you. Yeah, no, I'm glad he's an independent director who's uh, who's who's successful in getting projects and taking advantage of them. I think like it's the jump. It can be very, very daunting, as we've seen in the past. But well, you as have, you said, it gives us it gives us hope too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the biggest thing was it gave me it gave me hope. Yeah. But uh, did you notice we're recording? No, I did not. Well, we are. Yeah, we've been recording for a little bit. Uh, oh wow, <laughs> that's that's not Nick again. Uh, first, this is spoiler alert. It's our moving picture podcast um, where we talk about movies. Usually, it's me and my other co-host. But this week, like last, I have a good friend filling in for me. Uh, because he's got a new movie coming out this week that he just worked on. And uh, that friend's name is Chad. How you doing, Chad? How are you doing, Eric? I'm great. We've obviously been talking for a little bit, uh, shooting the shit, kind of getting together. Because I um, haven't seen him since I moved before Los Angeles a couple. We just said three months ago, which is greatly missed, insane. man. Greatly yeah. missed. Uh, miss you too, bud. But I'll be home. You know, I'm coming home soon. Now, I don't know when soon is, but like I won't, I won't be here forever. <laughs> yeah i mean with covid it makes things more difficult yeah, but once it kind of opens back up i'll come home and we'll hang out have one of our movie nights and just you know catch up today's episode we are talking about one of my favorite movies um my personable favorite or personal favorite movie by the director michael mann it's uh the 2004 neo-noir movie collateral which uh both me and chad just picked up on blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray. 4K, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 4K <laughs> Blu-ray. A uh, couple. I pull, I I picked it up. I found it on eBay. It was like fifteen dollars. Luckily, so steel man. I know. Um, and then you picked it up. I think when it released, right, or not too long after. Oh uh, no, actually, thankfully, I got it for a Christmas gift. You did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you've had it for a couple months, and we both watched it on 4K for the first time. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about. I think one of the one of the better neo noirs of the past twenty years. Uh, definitely up there. Um, yeah, we'll we'll save that for when we get to when we get to that part of the episode. But you're doing good, Chad. Everything's going well. You you feeling you feeling good about the release? Like any film, I mean, as as you can attest to, with um, you know yourself being a filmmaker, I mean, you know, there's always that nervousness of like you know how audiences are going to take to it, as well as like if your vision, like you know, if other people will be able to pick up on things. But um, you know, besides that, like. You know, I'm not staying up till 2, 3 a.m. editing now. I'm, you know, now back on like a relatively normal sleep schedule. So it's a little, I mean, it's the little dip of uh, in between you, between projects where you're like, yeah, kinda, yeah. Um, trying to get back to normal. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Uh, besides um, that, man, yeah, I, I besides that, I, I can't complain. I'm doing well, you know, like I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm employed. And I mean, with so, so much going on in the world, I mean, you know, that's a blessing in itself. You know? Exactly. We're actually going to be talking later on, uh, talking about your movie, uh, I got a couple 
not really questions because I don't want to grill you, but uh, <laughs> but um, I'll just talk to you, ask you a couple things about the movie and uh, let people know what they could be expecting. I saw it. Um, yep. so I'll talk to you, you a little bit about that. Thank you for letting me watch it early. I know you're I know you're very Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yes and yes. you don't you don't like people to see your shit so until the release so i appreciate you letting me see it early and yeah i'm glad you're doing well and i'm happy Thank that you're you, here man. i'm uh, i'm excited uh this is your tryout so we need to figure out if you're allowed back or not or if we scrap this episode completely <laughs> that's true man and you know i don't have the greatest resume with podcasts so we'll, we'll see how i do you know, I'm no Kevin Smith, though, that's for sure. That's, I'm not either, so I don't even want to get into I'm not even close to that category. Pretty soon, man, a couple months, you'll have him on here. Uh, I hope. That would be a dream. That's that's the dream. And then my career takes a completely left turn, and I just become a podcaster. It's not you make it work. The key, I, the key, Eric, is, especially since you're in California, the key is you got to go vegan. You know, that's the key. I did have a vegan milkshake a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty, pretty good, right? Oh, that was fucking the best milkshake I've ever had. That's the thing, dude. You come out here and visit, um, you're going to fucking gain 300 pounds. Although weirdly, although weirdly, since moving here, I have been doing pretty well with my diet. So I've been losing some weight. California, the sun, man, you know. I'm telling you. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very easy place to, I feel like even if you're feeling a little stressed, you can kind of figure out an area, even in your house, to just go and like i can walk out back and sit outside for 20 minutes and i'm just like all right i feel a little better like it's just it's kind of it's 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 hard when it's fucking cold yeah oh dude yeah no, you and i both have that con we both are not a huge fan of the cold so i mean I i'll definitely that, i'll definitely be out there visiting california because i mean i've always wanted to go there I mean, you'll do we got yeah, i got spots to show you movie spots fucking it's yeah vegan milkshakes i'm down and that's it. They're like eleven dollars, but it's holy cow. Yeah, but it's, but yeah. So you might want to work double before you come yeah, out seriously. here. Before we get into uh, some news and then collateral, we I I know you know because you said you listen that you like we like to talk a little bit about um between like me or Nick or obviously Louie, since they were literally the only guest on. Oh no. And Coleman. We can't forget Coleman with MVP. All right. So we've had two, <laughs> we've had three guests now. We like to ask uh, what we watch, talk about that. Um, I know you, you're like, I try to keep up with you, but you're a fucking movie watching machine. So, so with, yeah. with what we watched, you can, you can do it any which way you want. You can do it you can talk like a rough little bit. Like I watched a couple movies this week and just kind of list them. You can go in depth on the one you really liked. Um, the four is yours. Uh, yeah, I think I'll go. Cause like you said, I do watch a lot. I think I'll go with the one I saw like to start off the month, just because I wanted to finally watch all Kevin Smith's movies so I can rank them on my YouTube channel. That was yoga hosers. Uh, I can <laughs> see this. I, I, I can see why Kevin Smith wants to hide it. Uh, I respect you, Kevin Smith. You're a great filmmaker. He but. doesn't really, he hides it, but he doesn't hide it. He owns, he, hey, he calls every single movie coming out. He goes, hopefully it doesn't turn into the next Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers yeah. I, I haven't even watched Yoga Hosers yet. I tried to watch like a clip and I was like, this is, this is, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, it's like a, they probably filmed it like a Thanksgiving dinner. That's what it felt like. I mean, I, you know, I respect them though. The fact that, I mean, as you and I both talk, I mean, the fact that you make a movie, and we're able to get it out there. It's, you know, a miracle in itself. But I, I didn't Every like Every movie's it. Um, a miracle. Yeah, no, it, it is 100%. Mm -hmm. And then 
Um, obviously, I watched Collateral, which we'll talk about later. And then um, just throw us all Last Temptation of Christ, which I I think I, I think it's an amazing. That's thing. that's one that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It's one I really want to watch. Uh, I've Highly been underrated. I've been trying to like interject a lot of old and new movies like in with with what I watch. Um, it's been hard with obviously with the podcast. Yeah. I have to gear stuff towards like that. And then there's occasional, um, luckily like my roommate and I were watching the studio Ghibli movies and we're actually, she's going to be on at a point. Oh, no, we're going awesome. to, we're going to talk about them. So it'll be nice that like, that's something that both I want to watch and um, what will help like for the pod too. But it's great that like, I feel like you have a good balance of that because you, you're able to, you're able to figure out like, I got to watch this movie. Um, you know, this is for the channel for your YouTube channel. Right. Which we didn't mention yeah. also that you're a fucking YouTuber. Oh yeah, I, I should have. Yeah, I'm a yeah. YouTube critic. Not not one for paper or anything. Obviously, that's you know that'd be the dream. But um, dude, you got a decent following. You got some good friends out of it. I think you made a couple couple guys you talked to. Uh, yeah, that is couple, true. Couple guys who followed me on Letterbox who I like didn't know <laughs> for about a month, and then apparently they like follow you. Yeah, I remember telling you I was like, yeah, I was like this guy. I, actually, one of them was the one we met at the theater. Remember that one time where he was like, oh yeah. Chat. He, yeah, he uh, he he actually started subscribing to me because of your channel, like when you originally had the channel. So like it was just kind of our yeah, I know it was crazy. Yeah, tell him um, to listen to my podcast. <laughs> I will. No, I definitely am. I mean, you know, obviously this is gonna be on my YouTube channel, so yep. that way we can obviously. No, yeah, we'll talk about that right at the end. That's gonna be a little bit of a unique release this week. Yeah, uh, the last thing. I mean, because if, if I have like ten movies I saw obviously this month, but I'll I'll end it with. I saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy in 4K, and which is I. Yeah. That's I was very skeptical on um, whether I like. I love my set I have, but like I feel like I've grown more okay with the fact of like even if I have a copy in Blu-ray, sometimes that's worth getting the 4K also. Like I think I kind of want to do that with Indiana Jones. Oh, I'm de- dude. I own that yeah. on Blu-ray, but I'm definitely gonna be buying and I, that. I don't think I'm gonna so. get rid of like the Blu-ray because I don't know if they come. Did, does the 4K Lord of the Rings come with the Blu-rays too? um no so so, it's so a, it makes sense to keep yeah. my blu-rays too okay right and it's in also my case, a collectible case, set uh, i got rid of my lord of the rings set but that's because i only own the theatrical ones I which are which aren't movies, great on blu-ray i've heard yeah, it wasn't the best which is why yeah. it was an easy like decide, decision yeah. to like pick it up on 4k which dude i'm telling you it, it looks amazing in 4k it's one of the best releases i've seen personally i'm i think i'm gonna wait i'm gonna try to try to wait towards my birthday i think to get a little crazy because i haven't really been i've been with moving i've been trying to save up as much a little bit more so um i mean i purchased like collateral i got because i had a i had like a visa apple gift card that was like in my old phone i got because i got the iphone the 12 uh, or that whatever the 12 se something p but (laughs) and then i had um I had like the old and I had to get rid of it because it expired. So I was just buying shit off. I tried to buy the Batman v Superman 4K that just came out and I ran out of funds. So I got to buy that <laughs> with cash. But uh, they um, I'm going to wait till my birthday and I want to see if I can get a good deal on uh, eBay because that's been like my go to recently. And I feel like if you're like lucky, like uh, I will never buy a Disney movie off anything but eBay because you can get like a Disney Blu-ray for like yep. $10. Like it's not. That, that dude, that's where I bought um Infinity War and um not Endgame, Infinity War and Black Panther. I got it for 15 bucks on 4K. I think I got I think I got um I have to get Ant Man the Wasp just as a like for my completion. Right. And I think you can get like a 4K of it for twelve dollars. So like it's like and it's yeah. like not even like I'm like at that point, I'll just 
get the 4K. May as well. Um, no, you may as well. I mean, and then um, I did that. I did eBay with uh, filling out some of my collection for MCU too, where I got I think Ant Man one for like eleven dollars, and that's always like twenty five, which is on ridiculous. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's I I personally have been very eBay based recently. So I want to see if I can get Lord of the Rings for 4K for that, for us. Um, for, because my roommate wants to watch Lord of the Rings, who's never seen them. And I think, really? the first, I think, I, and I think, and I think the first time would be, uh, <sighs> I think the first time would be great in 4K. So that's why I'm kind of like thinking about waiting. Yeah. Um, Nicolette, my, my fiance, she was um, saying, she's like, it's crazy. It looks like it just came out like, you know, last year. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tw- going on 20 years old, but like, that's, it's, it's um, I'm trying to think of like any other 4k sets I got um, like the, the, the matrix, the, uh, the dark Knight. I mean, 4k to me, I, I'm starting to see a little bit like, you know, how like upgrading from DVD to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Remember how I was very adamant on Blu-ray to DVD. Yep. Well, now you don't like, got me into that. Yeah. Well, now I'm weirdly 4K to Blu-ray, but like, there's some movies that I don't think need an upgrade in 4K. But like, yeah, the ones that I'm kind of skeptical on because the Blu-rays are great, I'm still like, I'm gonna get it in 4K because I feel like 4K still somehow improves even the best Blu-rays. That's the crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, the ones that are shot on film, I say oh, always go 4K. But the ones shot digitally, sometimes it's just like. It's just not worth it. Exactly. Um, that's usually the ones that I kind of have leaned. Like uh, the Matrix and 4K are really great because they're all shot in film. Uh, yep. I think I really. Oh, the Dark Knight. Obviously, those ones are yep. worth it. And also, like the Dark Knight Blu-rays were, and even um, Casino Royale, Skyfall. Those are Skyfall. Yes, really, I... in digital is one of the digital ones that makes it uh, like makes it it worth the upgrade still. Like. I agree. Yeah. I, I do agree with Skyfall. I ironically, I think it's because it wasn't really up converted. I I think it was shot pretty close to 4K. I know I think, some of it's like yeah. shot 2K and then it's upscale. Yep. I think Deacon shoots 4K a lot. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, Lord of the Rings gonna get it in 4K. I think um, pretty soon. I just I wanna I wanna see if I can score a good deal because it's it's worth the price it is now, but it's like I buy that I can't eat for a week. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You can buy with what with what you would buy with Lord of the Rings. You can buy nine uh, vegan milkshakes. That's know? true. <laughs> uh, I watched. I I'm gonna highlight one movie because I I kind of I like to I like to go straight in on just one and kind of recommend it to people. And I want to recommend this to you too because I know you would really like it. I watched uh, The Dark and the Wicked last night. Um, it's a Shutter exclusive. It's directed by Brian Bertino, who oh, yeah. who uh, did The Strangers. He did The Monster um he did he did a couple uh he's done a couple movies there's a reason i watched it which i'll tell you after the pod um it's like a personal reason why i watched it i really liked it it reminded me a lot of hereditary in a way really and the reason i say that is because it's really really slow but like not in a bad way it's just a very slow burn it takes like it's 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 an hour and 35 i think it takes like an hour and a lot of shit happens in that hour, but it's very slow, very character based. And the last half hour is insane. Like it, 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 and it's gross. And it's got one of the darkest endings I've ever seen in a movie. Like it's, it's, I think you would really, I, you would really like it. I think I'm going to, yeah, I just, added I, it to my watch I can, I can actually, I'll get you a way to watch that. Yeah, no, I'm, dude, I'll, I'm I'll get, I'll get you. Yeah. You know how much I love horror. I mean, like if it's like kind of like hereditary, I mean, I love it. Yeah, it's 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 very grief based, very very 
uh, based around like a family. Um, it takes place kind of in like the, the South, I think it's the oh, South boy. or the Midwest, South or Midwest. I can't really remember. I have to look that up, but yeah, it was really good. Um, didn't really recognize any of the actors and they were all like, they were very authentic performances. The one, the guy who plays the husband, uh, and of the family and the brother of the main woman in the movie, great performance, awesome performance. Like it was like, uh, he was so good. Yeah, it looks like Michael Abbott Jr. is in it. He was in like Mud, Heart's Beat Loud. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him in, I mean, all those three movies I yeah. mentioned. Yeah, he's he's a good actor. He's um, really good in this. this is a, it's a 100% watch. Very slow, atmospheric. But I think it does a really good job of setting up a good payoff at the end. I think like it's one of those movies that you're going to stick with and you're going to. And it's a movie that I actually want to watch a second time because I really liked it when I finished. And the more I've thought about it, the more I've been kind of like, the more I've been thinking like, wow, that was actually a really good movie. Like The Empty Man. Uh, which, so, way, yeah, I think you should watch it. I think you would really like it. I will. Which, by the way, I wanted to say this. Um, I'm glad that you... I knew about The Empty Man before you, but I'm glad that you brought it back to my attention because I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you brought it to my attention because then I watched it and I was like, yeah, that was that was really good. I, I, I'm actually still thinking about it and I do want to give it a second one. That's that this this is that type of movie. I think this one is a better chance of more of being more um, you like the empty man, but it's one of those movies I feel like the more you watch it, the more your score will probably build, the more you'll appreciate it because it's one of those whereas this I think could be like that, but it's more likely that you'll you'll enjoy this a lot right off the get-go and you'll wanna but it'll still be one you'll want to revisit because I think it's just a well done movie. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's added in my watch list. I'll definitely yeah. be watching. And I'll get I can get you a way to watch it because I think it's only on Shutter. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. We won't tell anyone how. <laughs> I, I, I know someone. Dark and the Wicked. Watch that. You got Lord of the Rings, Last Temptation of the Christ, which I still need to see. And what was the other one you said that you watched? Oh yeah, Yoga Hogers. Yeah, yoga yoga Hosers. I recommend it. Nah, yeah. That's through the year. All good choices. Uh, Chad watches way more movies than me. It was the world of story, even though like I feel like I watch a lot of movies. And Chad, you're a movie machine. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. I've been very TV recently. Like I've been doing a lot of TV. So I think that's what I'm going through. One of those those spikes of like being really into TV shows. And then I'll go into like movies. Same way, man. I'm the same way. Um, lately, it took me a, a while to kind of like finish. Like I right before this podcast, I finally caught up with um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I watched mm-hmm. Which, you know, for a while I thought that show was just okay, but that last, that the, last the, scene. No, man. actually, we can talk about that for like a minute, real okay, quick. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if you saw it. Since you watch it, I've actually felt pretty similar. Um, I've enjoyed a pretty good amount of the Falcon Winter Soldier, but I've just kind of like after WandaVision's journey, I think this right. was more streamlined of like a show. Yeah. Whereas like it was it's taking fun. its time with the characters. And then all of a sudden with episode, I feel like it really, it really nailed what it wants to be about. And also, opened up a lot of really cool possibilities and there's something i wasn't sure if you picked up on um i mean i know your your cast yeah obviously this is called you know spoiler talk so i i don't feel bad saying this i really really liked how um wyatt russell his character i forget his name but i really liked how like when he took the serum it was like a juxtaposition almost of when steve rogers took Mm -hmm. it you know what i'm saying except he obviously went about it differently and I, I just, I thought that was really fascinating. And they built on it too. And I felt like that ending scene reminded me a lot of the boys. 
which mm-hmm. I was very surprised about. I was like, yeah. no, wow. it, it when they when they showed his shield covered in blood, yeah, I was like, oh shit, because Marvel usually like they got they like the Captain America movies have gotten violent. And there's been some stuff in there that's been a little bit grisly, but I feel like that was the first one where I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. dark. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I saw him doing it. I was like, there's there's no way this is going to happen. He, I thought, like, someone was going to stop him. It's, it's just, I'm just yeah. like, wow. Or he was going to do that classic thing where, he, like, he hits the shield next to him, which I thought yeah. he did. I thought, yeah. and then he started to do it more. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, right. No, yeah, episode four, I think, is the show's really, It's. I think it's found its groove now. Apparently, episode okay. five's like 63 minutes or something. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So, I think there's going to end, um, I have a theory to tell you about uh, the power broker, who a lot of people are trying to figure out who it is in the MCU. Right. My theory, and I think the one that makes the most sense is the Mandarin, because Shang-Chi has the Mandarin villain in it. Oh, I didn't think and he that. would be the one who would be the one he would be the one brokering powers and apparently a lot of people say the flag smashers have a hand on their mask the hand who is the his organization right. like it's it feels like it's gearing up for that because i've heard theories of like oh it's probably zemo who i gotta say i really enjoy daniel Brühl Brühl as zemo in this because i think he's he i've actually found him really fun like i oh I, yeah i mean you and i have been a fan of, of his since like yeah. rush so I'm just glad that he's finally getting attention, like getting the spotlight. Same with Wyatt Russell. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I personally do not like the fact that a lot of people are just hating on him. Like, he had to take down his Twitter because, like, Wyatt Russell's a great actor. Like, he's it's, playing a character. It's it's toxic uh, Marvel fandom, like, or toxic. Yeah, it, it's toxic media fandom because this happens all the time. To yeah, and it's it that does. it's like it's that weird thing that happens where like fans get so in love with a character like Steve Rogers that they're almost like when someone like Wyatt Russell, who clearly is not going to be Captain America, they're clearly setting up for Sam to take over because Sam's whole speech to um, Carly, the leader of the Flag Smashers, a lot of people pointed out that's very similar to how Steve Rogers always avoided fighting and always took like the, he wanted to talk them down from the ledge, whereas Wyatt Russell burst in and was quickly like, brute force instead of trying to avoid conflict so i found He's that the opposite of what um i forget Rod- character in first avenger i forget his name off the top of my head bullies get bigger yeah good people He's like the get, bully yeah. yeah good people get uh their hearts get bigger yeah so it's yeah um but i'm glad you're enjoying it too and you found you feel the same i do because i feel like episode four was like and it had some and it had some awesome fight sequences that the, I've mm-hmm. thought the fight sequences in the whole show have been pretty solid. But I feel like this one, this and last week, I think I think last week was a good was like that. I started to feel a little bit of momentum where I was like, OK, the show seems to be going somewhere. And then this week feels like it was finally like, OK, let's go. Like I felt I felt very um passive, to be honest, the past three episodes, like passive by like I would just watch it, but I wouldn't feel anything. This was the first episode where I just genuinely, personally, just like felt some. I, I think like, it started. Oh. I think it started out good too with that scene between um Bucky and the Wakandans. Yes. That yes, was I really Sebastian that. Stan's acting in that scene was great. Like it was that yeah. was I was like this episode feels like it's gonna be different. When I was the first thing I said, I was like this feels like this feels like it's gonna be the episode we've kind of been waiting for. Where like yeah, show, which makes me think like. Does that mean the show probably could be like four episodes and it would have been better? Yeah, probably. It probably, probably could have had yeah. some stuff, but I feel like obviously they're doing six weeks because they want to make it feel justified why they would put it on a cert. Like, but 
I think I think from this point out, it seems like the show's going to be flying forward. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like WandaVision. WandaVision was all about like that buildup, and I feel like this will also be kind of like that too. So yeah. I mean, I mean, it seems yeah. that's I mean that's kind of the I I like to think it's that these are just Marvel movies where the first act just is dragged out a little longer to give more character development. That's that's pretty yeah. much all it is. These are just Marvel movies that extend on more shit at the beginning because they want to make it six episodes. So they kind of go more in depth on stuff. Like, like I like what they're doing with the whole Sam and his sister and like kind of hinting at the whole like race as an Avenger. It doesn't matter. And like, but it feels like it's just going to be thrown to the wayside eventually. Cause probably like, we don't care. Like the people, most people don't like, they just want to see Falcon winter soldier take on bad captain America. Or his sister, I feel like will kind of be like in trouble. I hope they don't do the whole damsel. No, I, I, I don't but think they're going kind of, to. I, feel I hope like that, not. I hope not. I think she's just going to be wasted as a character, honestly, which like sucks, but it's better than the damsel in distress thing. Yeah, I hope. I hope they don't do yeah. that. So, I mean, I hope. I hope it's your way, honestly, mm-hmm. not that way. So, yeah, I'm. I'm very excited to see how the show wraps up, and um, I'm more excited, honestly. I think Loki's going to be the one that really, really sucks me in. I think that's going to be like that. That's that concept seems so cool. I, as, as you know, uh, just with the pandemic and everything, I just have not really been watching trailers. I, I still haven't seen the Loki trailer. Mm-hmm. So just like with Falcon Winter Soldier and WandaVision, I haven't seen any trailers. So I'm just going with like, I have no idea what to expect. Based, I don't know based on your interests and also how I, I think um, you would take the trailer if you did see it, I think Loki's more your speed. I think oh, that's, okay. I think that's, I think the way, what they're doing seems way cooler than a lot like WandaVision. It seems closer to WandaVision where it's a concept more like taken advantage of than it is. And just using Loki. Cause like everyone loves Loki. So they're just like, let's just throw they Loki do. in these wacky adventures. <laughs> so it's just, which I'm fine with. I'm more excited. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Honestly. Tom Hiddleston can do no wrong. Honestly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm down to watch it. Yeah. That's it. We good to move on. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit more about the, what we watched than I figured we would. So I'm yeah, gonna <laughs> I'm gonna condense our film news section. I still want to talk a little bit, but I'm just gonna run quickly through what's happened this past week or so with news. First things first, Paramount delayed a bunch of movies, which is crazy, but also I guess makes a lot of sense. They delayed Top Gun Maverick to November 19th. It was supposed to come out in July, which makes sense. And I think it's going to come out. I think any movie that comes out from like October on is going to come out. I think the next three or so months are still up in the air with how theaters are going to perform and whether studios are willing to throw them out. But I think, I think like anything late latter half of the year, I think that's when we're going to be kind of like back to a somewhat normality in terms of going to the theaters. I don't know if it's going to be a hundred. I actually, it'll probably be a hundred percent by then. Uh, yeah. It, it just really depends on how we, we handle um, everything. I mean, I, I personally can't wait to get the vaccine. Um, I got my appointment on Monday, so I'm very excited. Oh, dude, you're lucky. When I'm, May 1st is my second appointment and I'm going to go to the movies in May. Like I can't wait. I'm, I'm holding off until then. And I'm going to go a uh, whole day. Hopefully <laughs> Congress Godzilla will still be in theaters. Cause that was... I want to go see that in IMAX. So yeah. bad. I don't think it's going to be, but I'll still go see it in theaters. You got Mission Impossible 7 took over, was moved to May 27th, 2022, because it was originally supposed to come out November 19th. I think that's because of filming. I think they had to, uh, something with the, because it's filming during the pandemic, so it was taking a little bit longer. Right. And then 
uh, those are the real big ones. You got a Dungeons and Dragon movie, which with Chris Pine, whom, which I'm actually kind of interested in. It's the guys who did Game Night who are directing it, so I feel like it could actually. Oh be, yeah, dude. I think I fun. think I think it could be it could work if they if they kind of like do a Lego movie style or 21 Jump Street style movie. I think that would be that would be something that could be fun. That comes yeah, out that could be good. March third, uh, 2023. Now it's supposed to come out in May 2022. There's a Star Trek film coming out was pushed back to june 9th 2023 yeah i mean there's been a couple other ones nothing too crazy snake eyes the gi joe movie coming out this year was moved up to july 23rd 2021 and the other movie that i actually care about is jackass 4 <laughs> it's 20 <laughs> october 22nd 2021 is when it comes out um will have to watch those movies <laughs> I actually, it's funny if we were talking about it, eBay, I bought uh, the entire collection on DVD because that's all they sell the first three movies or two movies in. Oh, wow. I bought it for $20. It comes with all the movies and the TV show. So it's just, oh, wow, that's awesome. So for, and then and the, the show's only on DVD. So, like, and it's only in standard because it was shot on like digital cameras. So, but like, yeah. but they're, they're, I think you, if you liked, um, if you like just like bad trips, something like that, like it's kind of similar to that. But yeah, so a couple movies got delayed this week. Indiana Jones 5, Phoebe Waller-Bridge joined Harrison Ford and John Williams is doing the score. I mean, figured John Williams was doing the score again, but he's up there, man. Like he's... Seriously. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how he's... Glad that he's able to still do it, man. I mean, you know, like, it's awesome. I personally don't hate Indiana Jones 4. Let me be on the record and say this. Uh, I need to rewatch it because it's been like seven, eight years. But when I watched it, several times i might add as a teenager i remember enjoying it it's fun but, i've watched it recently i still good. find it entertaining it's it's not it's a severe dip from three to four. Oh yeah because I mean, the last was, crusade is awesome was good so, yeah um, it was really good but i think it captures i think it still captures the spirit of indiana jones four or the whole franchise i think it's still i think it's still it feels like it belongs. I don't know why people are so like, this doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. I'm like, it does. It's not because like. It's, because it's not realistic to have aliens yet. In the last three movies, there was also like, you know, entities like with Raiders Lost Ark, you know, you had an Ark of Covenant melting people's faces, you know, but then you can't have aliens. Dude, in the third one, there was like some old dude who was like 400 <laughs> years old and he was all about the Holy Grail. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the movie not being realistic. It's I Indiana know. Jones. <laughs> it's not Flight 93. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I did want to, because I know obviously we have to move on, but I do have to say, like, I was kind of nervous about Steven Spielberg not coming back for the fifth one. No, but then, but I know what you're going to say. I'm, I'm that's, to me, that. that's why I think, honestly, even if Spielberg was coming back, I don't, I, I wouldn't feel as confident. I think having a director like Mangold come in and inject some fresh blood, but also I know he's going to stay yeah. true to the tone of Indiana Jones. I feel like that's the best way you could continue this franchise if you wanted to. Um, I do think and, that too. I agree. And honestly, I think you retire Indiana Jones in this one, which I think they're going to do. And then if you want to reboot him, I guess reboot him. But I think you end him here. Like, I think you got to end Harrison Ford in this one. I agree. I mean, he's, yeah. he's almost 80. So I I'm imagining that's where they're going. I, I, I got to imagine this is like Indiana Jones one last ride from yeah. fucking Fast and Furious. Well, yeah, I was going to say, man, I mean, maybe this one will take an outer, take place in outer space. You never know. I mean, I don't know. So. <laughs> 
some more news. You got W. Oh, that was that's the link. <laughs> you got you got Netflix <laughs> making a deal for the rights to Sony Pictures movies, which are, include all the Spider Man or Spider Man movies. That means that essentially every movie that Sony produces and comes out, like Tom Holland's Uncharted movie, Venom. I actually don't think Venom Two was included. I think that was the weird one that like something with rights oh, wow. and deals or something. But uh, like Morbius. Those are going to go straight to Netflix after they play in theaters. So it's essentially just like Netflix is their home for Sony, which answers the question that I've kind of been thinking with is, is Sony going to make their own streaming service like everyone else? And I think Eric's theory is that Sony is going <laughs> to be bought by Netflix eventually. I can see that. Um, I can totally see that. So I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the next couple of years with everything. I think there's going to be a lot of like Disney deals where Disney buys another or studios buy another studio. That's maybe a little, I think Paramount's going to get bought by someone because Paramount's been struggling a lot. Yeah, they haven't. I feel like they haven't had as many hits lately. That's the, uh-huh. yeah. And I think that I could see, honestly, I could see like Netflix or Hulu or someone investing. I don't think Hulu because it's a Disney owned property, but I could see like Netflix or Amazon buying Paramount. And I think Amazon, honestly, because a lot of the movies at Amazon, like Coming to America, the new Tom Clancy movie directed by the guy who did Sicario 2 and written by Taylor Sheridan, by the way, without remorse. That's so good. I can't wait to that. That that trailer came out this week and that movie looks awesome. Like, it was another. So that was another trailer. I didn't watch the trailer. I saw Ty, Ty Sheridan. And I was like, oh, no, Taylor Sheridan. Yeah. So wrong actor. <laughs> I mean, wrong person. I saw Taylor Sheridan. I was like, I don't even have to watch the trailer. I know I'm going to watch. I know it's, I'm going to watch it's, it's I it looks good. It looks like a fun movie. Like it looks like a classic like action movie with with um Michael B. Jordan as the star, which is like that sounds like a really good time. Oh yeah. And he's an amazing writer. I mean, Wind River's a great movie. Exactly. Sicario, Hell or High Water. As you said in one of the episodes of the podcast, I mean, you know, Hell or High Water is very underrated. I do want to revisit it. It's been a I little, think that's a movie you'll build, you'll you'll appreciate even more that than you did when you saw it the first time. So yeah, yeah. Netflix is buying sony movies and then the other two are kind of hbo max themed the first one we have is dune's release on hbo max is reportedly being reconsidered i kind of saw this coming i feel like what's going to happen is now that godzilla versus kong made a lot of money even being on hbo max i feel like it can go two ways honestly but i think i don't think it's going to be taken off of hbo max I just, I don't, I don't think they're going to go back on it. I think they're going to convince somehow to keep it on there, but I think it's going to help that movie coming out in like September or November, whenever it's supposed to come out. I think that, or no, that comes out next year, right? It, it, no, comes, it comes out this year. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to make a lot of money because I think the people who wanted to go see Godzilla versus Kong in theaters for the most part are going to see it. I think, I, I don't know. I could, Dune's weird because I think there is a possibility that it they take that off, even though that it's been marketed like fuck. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the thing is, to be, to be honest, I mean, obviously you and I both know throughout the entire duration of our friendship, you're a lot better at box office figures being able to say, yeah, that's going to take off. Like I remember Guardians of the Galaxy when it came off, you know, before it was about to come out, you were like, that's going to be a huge hit. And I was like, eh, probably not. But it ended up being obviously a huge hit. I feel like with Dune, for for some reason, I just feel like it won't be a huge hit. I feel like that's, it might be. No, that's that's exactly how I feel. See, Blade Runner 2049 to me, yep. top like three best blockbuster of the past decade. Honestly, top 10 last 20 years. Like one of it's the amazing. best, yeah, one of the best blockbusters film. ever. 
made like nowhere near the amount of money it should have nor could have because people right. just didn't want to go see a 165 minute think piece artsy sci-fi movie whereas dune is that dune's not star wars it's gonna be uh, like yeah. it's gonna be a lot more intellectual a lot more it's gonna be a lot more people are gonna have to like really have to pay attention to it whereas well, that's, where, that's the other thing i mean not to you, but my, my fiance she read the book and um she literally said that it is like game of thrones but like sci-fi and i mean don't get me wrong obviously in the back of my mind i'm like well, game of thrones became big but at the same time it's like i feel like science fiction films you know, you have to have all the elements um, to be like a, you know, big blockbuster. And I just don't know if Dune's going to have that. I hope it does. because I, I don't think Dune two. has as big of a fan base as they're giving it. Like, I, it can obviously yeah. get fans, but I don't think, I think it's too weird. Like, I think yes. it's, I think it's too out there. It's not like, like, obviously Avatar was able to get, actually, Avatar is the only movie where, like, I really enjoy it. But it's crazy that that's the fucking highest grossing movie of all time. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. It like, is. But like even that's got fans, but that like that took a while for to make yeah. money. And I feel like the people who are going to go see Dune in theaters are going to go see it. Well, and also, I mean, like I said, and I want to get this out there. I 100 percent hope Dune is a huge hit because I do want to see. No, the I, I, I want. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking logistically, the people who want to watch it at home, watching it on HBO Max the same weekend is going to give it more of an audience. And I think in turn will help it get a second part. Because I think it's going to, yeah. I think they're going to see like, oh, wow, we got a hit on our hands or something. Or, oh, wow, we can do this. It's like, um, I think I saw the Snyder Cut is the other end of the spectrum where because it was on streaming, a lot of people watched it the first weekend. And they were even saying like, even though not everyone completely finished it, there was a lot of like watching going on. And they think like that's, that says a lot about if there's a new sexy movie coming out that weekend. <laughs> people are going to watch it. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it sucks. Cause I still above all the things that have kind of changed in my thinking, believe in movie theaters. They're the, they're Damn. a palace. They should be always, they're always going to be around, but they definitely, this was the closest that I think I was getting to a point where I was like, I was scared that there was going to be a big shift. I think Godzilla uh, yeah. versus Kong says begs to differ though. Cause even that being on streaming, it's still making a lot of money. So it's, I think I think we're okay. I just don't think Dune as an intellectual property has enough of a. Well, and not just that. I mean, obviously, you and I are big film buffs and huge fans of Denis Villeneuve. But also, just look at his track record. He hasn't really made like a huge hit. And that's not to say that he he doesn't have one in him. But I'm just saying, like, I just don't see him. I don't see it having a huge audience. I see all the movie buffs and like you know, obviously, fans. Of his he's the reverse Chris Nolan. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. what happens. He's honestly what what Chris Nolan would be if he was first starting out now. I don't think yeah. Chris Nolan would have as many hits. I don't think Chris Nolan would be like a name name. I think like Denny, Denny gets love and like you look forward to one of his movies. I think if Denny was coming in like Oh two with insomnia or so like a movie like that, I think he would be Chris Nolan through the mid two thousands. Like, yeah. I mean, like, everyone, I remember, um, I think it actually was Nick. I remember you telling me about how, like, Nick, the one time, like, heard, like, someone say, oh, yeah, get that director that, you know, for Prisoners, like, you know, when they were talking about directors that they wanted for a movie. Mm -hmm. Could be out of context, but Chris no, Nolan. Yeah, yeah, that's, 
meanwhile, Christopher Nolan, it's like people aren't like, oh, get that guy that directed The Dark Knight. No. They're like, no, get Christopher Nolan. So, like, I feel like Denis Villeneuve hasn't really hit that stride where it's like, get Denis Villeneuve. It's just kind of, no, get the guy that did Prisoners, you know? Tenet was the first one that, like, didn't really do 100% well, but also it had things going against it. Whereas, like, no, every pandemic. movie Christopher <laughs> Nolan's made since probably The Prestige has been a hit. So it's, it's, I think, I think Denny, I don't think Denny's, unless uh, if Denny picked to do the next James Bond movie, That'd be amazing. then he would have been, then he would be Christopher Nolan. He would have been, yeah. Because he would have had, because then he would have been the guy. Like that would have been like, because I think he would have kicked ass on a Bond movie. Like I Dude. think like, his if his Bond movie was just like Sicario, like I just that's oh, yeah that's that'd be amazing with like this with like the scale of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That's like that sounds like the best movie ever made. Like, Hopefully we get No Time to Die sometime soon. I think that'll be out in November. That's the movie I was thinking of when I said I think those movies getting delayed a lot. That's gonna come out in theaters in November. That's there's no way by yeah, November yeah. we're not able to see that. Yeah, that's so Chad and I pro Dune on in theaters yes. but we also think that dune's probably it going to hbo max wouldn't hurt it <laughs> yeah i think that i think that that's a movie that obviously people like us will see in theaters but i do think that's a movie by that, by that point i'll have a vaccine in me and i'll go see yeah. it in theaters before i watch I, hopefully i will max. too yeah. once i'm eligible mm-hmm. but um, um yeah I, I agree with you about the streaming i think that more people will probably find it maybe get a cult following like blade runner 2049 so mm-hmm. the last all right yeah so last article is, and we're going to go through this quickly so we can get to collateral. Yeah, We're still doing good on time. So I don't, don't worry about that at all. Batman v Superman screenwriter has had a lot to say this week. I mean, he said <laughs> what, what Warner Brothers did to Justice League was vandalism was his quote, which I agree with you have. And then you have and him. Another quote he said was Batman v Superman, Chris Terrio writer. Did he hate Justice League's? I think he he hated WB's he original and orig, no the original uh, ending yeah. on uh, Batman v Superman. Oh right, right right. It um so what happened was in the original cut or the ultimate cut <laughs> the original <laughs> ultimate cut Batman shows up at Lex Luthor's jail cell and Lex Luthor tells him about tells him about like uh Steppenwolf and Darkseid and they're coming and yada yada and Batman then uses his brand which he's been using in the movie he punches the wall which is like a visual representation that Batman has changed. And now he's starting to go through a little bit of a redemption arc in this version. He won the WB had Batman branding people and he wanted that. He wanted Batman to brand Lex, which would have basically (laughs) made the movie. What just, we just watched over the last three hours or two and a half. If you did go see that in theaters was it would have basically said, okay, Batman has not changed at all. (laughs) The entire Superman dying has made him worse. <laughs> Which also, when you think about it, with Zack Snyder's Justice League, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense, like really at all, if you think about it, because it's like Batman's wait, whole that? redemption arc in that movie is the is part of the heart of that movie is that he's like. Superman dying gave him faith again, which was like, oh no, good people can do the right thing. Like there are good people in this world. So right. that was the whole that was the whole thing. And that's why I love that movie. Like, that's why I was like, this, 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 his story is great. Like, it's I like, really like that maybe Superman too. the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, his, I think that the way man is very Steel, underrated, honestly. the way man is still Batman be Superman and Justice League work together as well as they do with all the teetering and tottering and universe sidelining and shit that's going on. Like it's, it says a lot about what it means when you give a 
director like Zack Snyder or someone the option to tell his whole story. Like that's that's why that movie those movies all fit. They fit perfectly. Like when I watched. Okay. Oh, when I was just gonna say when I watched uh, Joss Whedon's Justice League, it always felt like I was like, "Damn, Batman v Superman was setting up for something cool." I feel like I'm missing it, but now I have it. Now I can watch a whole trilogy. And as much as I don't really like as as the ending of Justice League, the more I think about it, where I feel like they should have. Which Zack Snyder did it because he knew he's he's a smart guy. He did it because he knows it's gonna drive people to be like, no, 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 keep the Snyder. Make, yeah, make yeah, make the Snyder. Too, yeah. yeah, so that's I know I get why he did it. I'm glad he did. I just think from the movie standpoint, it takes away a lot from like that last final shot of him opening his shirt. I was like, that is a great shot. Like, so it uh, just, but I, I was going to say, I think what I especially like about man, you know, man of steel, Batman v Superman and justice league is that it's great to see that even as divisive as those movies are, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's Snyder and a nutshell though. It's great to see a director have like a style and you be able to see it. Cause I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like we see so many times directors don't really have a style and it just, you know, feels almost no, there's like, like there's like three or four Marvel movies where you can tr- say like, there's a style here. Um, right. And it's just like, even with- the ones I really like still sometimes don't feel like they have a style. The only ones are like black Panther. Yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, the Russo movies, I think all have a, have a similar style. And then, Taika Waititi's Ragnarok. And I think that's, and maybe Kenneth, well, Kenneth Branagh, because it's a fucking Dutch angle fest. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> but I actually watched Thor 2 the other day and I've, I've grown to not like that movie every single time more. Yeah, more. man. I, I saw that. I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I don't, I, I don't regret not rewatching it. I haven't seen it since theaters, man. It's, I, dude, you, there's three things that happen in that movie that you can say matter. And even like two of them don't actually matter. So it's, it's, and Endgame essentially made Thor two a good movie in five minutes. Right. Like, like it just like that's that's all it like that's essentially I I agree. I think Snyder and I love Snyder. I'm I'm can't wait for Army of the Dead. The posters Army that have been coming out have been so cool. There was another one he released yesterday that was just like it was just a robotic hand holding a card that says always play dead. Like for like poker, and I was just like, this movie's gonna be so fun. Like it's gonna. It be so- is. He's on a roll. I mean, obviously, with him actually getting to see his vision out there, mm-hmm. it, you know. And now, obviously, and, and dead, it's great. I think right. Netflix lets him lets people usually have their creative vision fulfilled. So we're gonna get full Snyder. That's what. hundred percent. And if I, I, I think when you. Yeah, I think if you Marcus gotta, is gonna make a two hundred million dollar movie about like the Irishman, then I mean, obviously, I, I think will. Snyder, and I think Snyder the to be the best he can be he got to let him just go completely Snyder. You can't, you can't put any restraints on him. Yep, Every time they put restraints on his movies, they're always 30 minutes less and really bad. And you have to and wait then, until home release. To and get, then you get the 30 extra game. minutes and then you're like, yeah. Oh wow. I saw a movie, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I think that's it for news. I think it's time we jump into the, our movie of the week. Oh man. Yeah. Hey, yeah, right there. I'm in the cab, man. I'm stuck. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, man. Hey, look. I got to get out of here. What's up, man? What's going on? Look, I'm tied up in here. This guy tied me up, but he's up in this building wreaking havoc, doing some wild shit. I need to get out of here. Damn, you all tied up in here. Yeah, I'm trapped, so let's get me out of here so we can call the cops. You give me a fucking one. Are you kidding me? Do I look like I'm kidding you? Listen, don't you see that my hands are tied to the steering wheel? I don't give a man. what they're tied to. I'll fuck don't, you up. Don't shoot, man. Get the ass up. Yeah. What else you got here? 
Briefcase? Is your briefcase? Yeah, it is. Why? You want it back? How about your wallet? What else you got for me? Huh? Obviously, I said earlier, one of my favorites. I think, in my opinion, my favorite Michael Mann movie, as much as I love Heat, I think this one, to me, it just always, it always brings me down, always makes me feel, like, kind of dreamy. It's like a yeah. dream. And I think a lot of L.A. movies do that. So Heat, to an extent, kind of feels that way, too. But this one more so. It's Collateral. It's the Michael Mann 2004 neo-noir movie. It stars Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise in, like, probably one of his only villainous roles he's ever done. I, think, I know. And to me, I think his best. I think this is my favorite of his, honestly. I, I've started to think it's between this or Boogie Nights. It's it's got it, it's it's definitely up there. Um, I mean, I just I love this movie. I love it. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about Tom Cruise and uh Jimmy Fox is that they just have such a natural rapport. I mean, with mm -hmm. how they talk to each other. I mean, I think what's also amazing about the movie is that if you go in not really knowing anything, like you're just watching the movie the first 20 minutes, you're kind of like, okay, like that's no, just, that's my favorite thing about um this movie is that if you really don't know what it's about, it is a shock when you find out what it is. Yeah, really when that when you just see that body, it's like, mm -hmm. oh wow. Because um, you think it's gonna be this lighthearted, like, like almost like just this night of the life movie involving this taxi driver. Yeah. Right. But then, and that's also something that I think that's really great about Collateral is um, it feels like five short films that essentially take place around two men's night. Because if you think about it, yeah, Mark Ruffalo's character kind of feels like he's off doing his own thing. You got Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise off doing their own thing. And then you got these like different vignettes almost going through. And then essentially the threads all collide into the finale. And I think, right. honestly, the thing that's really underappreciated about this movie is the script. I think the script's actually a lot stronger than people. Because for an action movie, it to me, it does a good job of, like, being really simple. Like, it's it's essentially a one-sentence plot. But it, like, I think it really just, it just is like, all right, just uh, let these two movie stars do their fucking thing. Well, also just how they'll have little things they'll have little things or like characters that do things. And at first you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. You don't really think about it. It's not really in the back of your mind. Like Jada Pinkett Smith's character, for instance, like this time around when I watched it, I remember just being like, oh, cool. Like she's, she's like the love interest. And I was like, whatever. But then towards the end, you realize it's like, no, she's not. The no, love that's interest. actually a really important. good twist. And like, yeah. essentially. I, I was very, yeah. uh, I'm like, that's, that's really good. That's really smart. And scripture. making, and yeah. And making like, something so min minuscule early on matters so much at the end yeah. essentially is like, okay, like the script writer did a really good job of making sure every detail in this story matters to the central plot. Like it never felt like anything was tossed away to the wayside. And then there was all these cool little interactions within the story, like the whole jazz scene between him between them at the table i'm actually i'm like this is a that really a great scene this is a great scene and then for it to end like that i'm just like oh shit yeah I, to be honest like I, I saw this 
like a year ago. And then obviously I, I rewatched it today in preparation, but I always forget about that jazz scene, just how it's like, you know, just people talking about jazz. And it's like, cool. It's like, this is awesome. Like, you know, I don't know why this guy is just talking to him, but whatever. And then, and then the quick, and then the quick turn when like, yeah, it's revealed like, Oh just no, Max is of a name. And it's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Wow. Max isn't <laughs> here solely for, he wants jazz. He's here. Cause of of his job and then what he says is uh the best part is that he lies to jamie fox yeah uh max that's max vincent is tom cruise mess names up uh jamie fox is he essentially like is toying with jamie fox the whole time because he's like oh no you like jazz we're gonna go get a drink and then he just like basically like no 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 wait i'm gonna kill this guy this is my this is part of the job haha <laughs> but that, it's that that was another thing i i, I don't know if um if you've mentioned it before, but like, I forgot how funny this movie was. Obviously, not all the time, but there's like vignettes where it's actually hilarious. Like, I love no, the they where- the the locate the a lot of the dialogue's really well done, and it's a lot. It's very it lets Tom Cruise be that snarky kind of like sarcastic asshole character that he yeah. Really well, and also just Jamie Foxx when he's telling all his Jamie Foxx like- is a really funny guy. <laughs> like Jamie Foxx has really good comedic timing. And well like his deserved Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to, I I wish Tom Cruise got something too because I think he was he awesome. should have honestly he should have uh, yeah he was job. he was great. Um, and it's funny the whole scene where uh, Javier Bardem who shows up like who just yeah, was, was like who was like not who was not a big deal at 2004 but like you go on you're just like wow this movie has Tom well, Cruise you know- Fox. Mark Ruffalo, who's also not bit really, really big yet. Not at that time. Uh, yeah. I, but James when you Pig- think about it, not to go off, but when you think about it, Javier Renan, the crazy thing about him was he wasn't big at all, but he, I think he spent like two, three months working on like the accent and he literally spent two days on set. That was, here's the thing that I was thinking. Thing. Here's what I was kind of thinking. That scene, as much as I love it, it feels like Javier Bardem tr- like tried out for a scene where he wasn't as big of a character. And they liked him so much that it felt like that scene was specifically written for him to like give a monologue. Cause it felt like there's this one part in the movie. I know you remember it. It's when, when he's just talking, the camera's kind of slowly zooming in and he, it feels like he's just like, it felt like a Shakespearean monologue. Like, it, yeah. like, and I was like, I feel like they were just, they were like, Oh shit. We landed on a really good actor in our, in our auditions. I feel like we got to give this guy more screen time, which it also works for the overall movie. Cause that's what the movie feels like. It feels like each scene was written as a shorter segment and they just like kind of connected them all. Well, and also when you think about it, it's, it's funny you mentioned Shakespearean because I feel like the movie almost in some ways is Shakespearean. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. it, you know, you see um, character Max. I mean, he starts out as just like a cab driver. He has dreams and everything. And, um, you know, Tom Cruise, he's just kind of constantly like push him to everything. And by the end of the night, I mean, he pushes him to the brink of, you know, obviously, you know, killing him, but also mm-hmm. just fulfilling almost like what he wants. Like he goes also, off in the distance pretty much to, you know, be able to almost have like a new life, I feel like. Also great um, script writing is when early on Vincent's like, I hate LA. You know, there was a story about a man on a train that no one knew that was dead and people were just sitting next to him and no one knew he was dead. To then that be the movie, how it ends. I was like, this is, yeah. it's like, sometimes it's just so easy that like it feels like it's the easiest thing in the world to write a script, but these guys just figure out how to fucking tie. Michael Mann knows how to do that, man. He knows how. It to... wasn't Michael Mann who wrote the script. It was uh, Stuart Beatty. Stuart Beatty yeah. who wrote. Um, I forget what else he wrote off the top of my head. Pirates, or he was the story writer for Pirates of the Caribbean. He wrote Thirty Days of Night. He actually didn't. This was like his 
like his biggest one. Yeah, I know he came up with the idea, I think, at like age 12, like using a cab driver. He's like, imagine if like there was like a killer like in the back. And I'm just like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Like that's the best he probably thing spent like 20 is. years, like, you know, finally being able to fulfill his, his vision, which I thought that's was the cool. other thing I'll say is Tom Cruise is so scary that this is probably one of the best serial killer movies ever made. Like it's yeah. it's I was watching it and I was like, he is terrifying when he can like go from the part where he comes out of the the second kill and he's just like yo homie and he's just like (laughs) it's it's so it's cheesy it's very cheesy but it's very funny like it just it it works because it's him and it's it's just it's it's kind of feels like it's that movie where every single aspect kind of fell into place where it feels like it's almost like this wouldn't happen again where you have tom cruise jamie fox a great script michael mann like the perfect time it came out and also like taxis being a big deal in 04 like this movie feels kind of aged enough but it still feels like it could be set now like it's very timeless where but also weirdly not timeless and i think that's why i like it so much and the funniest thing is that so i'm on the wikipedia just kind of so i have all the stuff and uh the poster is just that shot of tom cruise with his gun on his lap And I remember when I was younger, my dad, there was this like weird DVD delivery service where you could like get a thing in the mail and you could check off movies and they would like send them to you and like new DVDs. And my grandpa got me into it. So we would do it every once in a while. And Collateral was one of the ones my dad chose because he like, he thought it sounded cool. So I've always, I always had the DVD that I lent to you freshman year of college. Yeah. But I never, I never, um, I never watched it. So until like probably senior year of high school or whenever i saw it first i don't really remember but it was it was just like i was like oh my god like this movie yeah i remember awesome. you, you, <laughs> i remember you told me about it it was shortly after i went on a binge of like he and like the insider last Mohicans. um and I'll, I'll never forget yeah you gave me the dvd i watched it and then i liked it but then for some reason i waited six years and you know beginning of the pandemic i was like oh blu-ray oh, blu-ray.com it's like six bucks all right i'll pick it up and then a couple months later it got announced it was going to be out in 4k and I was like, wow, that was just bad timing. I should have just waited, you know. It's also but, really funny too. Um, sorry to interrupt, but uh no, the Blu-ray also looks really good. Like I does. will say, like it looks really good, but the 4K, like it was definitely blows that out of the water. I mean, I wanted to also mention, I mean, I'm sure you you're probably gonna mention too, but I, I just wanted to also mention like Michael Mann, it's just kind of crazy how he's like, you know what, I'm gonna shoot on film, but I'm also gonna shoot on HD cameras. Mm-hmm. I think it blends really well, honestly, with this movie. Um, I noticed it early on. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because usually it's like, I don't pick up on that. I know yeah. you have more of an eye for that, but I picked up on it. And I was like, that's interesting. Because I know he also did that with Public Enemies, which I know you're not the biggest fan of that. But I it think, was, I think cool. the cinematography looked really cool. I, I, I The look of that movie wasn't my issue with it. You know, my, it was the sound thing. Sound, was yeah, and I want to give that a watch because I want to see if that was some weird file issue that i had where i watched on netflix and it just was a bad file because i i also know that i know it was also like he intended for it to um to sound like a 1930s movie so i think that was also that maybe if i go in with that in mind maybe i'll enjoy it more because i feel like i went in thinking it was going to be like an authentic classic movie and it was it was a little more experimental experimental than i thought it was going to be um, well, which no, he, goes which he likes style, to do. Yeah. yeah, which he likes Collateral, to do. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's great to see, honestly. I mean, that's one of the things about Michael Mann. He's always been great at just being able to film, like, nighttime locations. I mean, 
as you and I both know, Fenway at nighttime is no picnic, but my gold man looks makes it look like a you know walk in the park. There, and his look, his nighttime look also, there's something about it that makes it look dirty but pretty. It's it's very yeah. it's a very hard balance. And the scene I think of, which is um I'll go into is also my favorite scene of the movie. It's not the shootout scene, which was almost my it's almost my favorite. Cause I that That's to me, scene. collateral is even more so than John Wick still my favorite nightclub shooting shootout sequence in a movie i just think it all blends together so well uh but my favorite scene is the scene when they see the coyote in the That's uh, a great scene. and i think that was literally only there because i think they saw the coyote while filming and they were filming like authentic reactions of this coyote and to yep. me that's just them showing off like this is how good digital film can look like that's yeah what- not not just that i mean also, how, how you can attest, because, you know, we both make movies. It's just sometimes you'll get on location and sometimes you'll just see something. And you're like, I want that in the movie. It's like that could really work with like the characters or like mm-hmm. the storytelling. Well, that's also sometimes people forget the thing about movies is sometimes we just want to f- we see cool shit. And we're like, people will also think yeah. this is cool. Like, yeah. so, and that's like, I'm sure I can read it both as like it's a little deeper and it's very just like it says a lot about the beauty of the nighttime of L.A. and just the way these characters right. are like it's there's a lot going on. And then also I'm just like it's also just cool because it's a fucking coyote. Like it's well, and, I, and I do think that you also are probably spot on though. like if I'm being realistic, because I mean, I know Michael Mann's a big advocate of um, shooting digitally. Obviously, he shot um, Black Hat, you know, and then public enemies i'm trying to think of his other movies that came out recently but he's definitely more of like a pioneer for that so that shot definitely is like yeah digital digital uh filmmaking can definitely work you know so i definitely agree with you there yeah the other thing i'll say is um about the way that the story unfolds when you see the movie and you see mark ruffalo the movie kind of makes you think it's going down a path of like mark ruffalo is going to be one to save the day because it just feels like it's setting up his character And the way that the movie throws that out and has him die. And you're just like, I don't think Max is going to make it out at the end is really good bait and switch. And also I think works because Mark Ruffalo is really funny and good in the movie. His look makes me laugh so hard. (laughs) I love that look. He's got the earring. Well, it also helps too, because if you think about it, like if Mark Ruffalo were to do a movie now, he wouldn't immediately think that he wouldn't, he 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 wouldn't wouldn't wear that. Well, he wouldn't die. He wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be wearing that. He would look like yeah. Bruce Banner. Like he would. He wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't look like. He wouldn't look like that. Which is why I think this movie again fits into that perfect. Like it came out at the perfect time, had the perfect people in it, the perfect people behind the camera. Like everything just worked. It just. I, I do also think that was one of Michael Mann's last, like, financially successful movies. I mean, it, you know, especially uh, like from that perspective. I yeah, think no, Public Enemies. Was, I think Public Enemies did solid, but I think. Collateral was a huge success. I mean, because- it was a huge success both critically and financially. And it, I think it got a, uh, it got Jamie Foxx a supporting actor, and then it got an mm-hmm. editing Oscar. Which uh, the which editing wanted, too is. I wanted to also mention that because you know editing a film, it's it's no picnic. But the fact that they were able to edit it and make it so that the pacing just melds so well with the action, it just constantly builds. Let me let me tell you, it. Chad, and you know this, and we're gonna get into it because um. I'm we're I think we I'm trying to think of anything else we can talk about with collateral, but uh once we get into your talking about your movie, editing a movie can really make or break your movie. Yeah, true. Here's the thing. That movie in last week's episode that Louie and I watched, The Collector, the first 15 minutes of that movie are so horribly edited, 
so horribly written, but the edit, but the editing is so egregiously bad that I was like, I there, how did this movie get a second one? Like, how is this? There's gotta be. And then when you figure out that like the movie all of a sudden switches to like, Oh, this is a real movie in here. It's just that first 15 feels tacked on. Right. That's how much editing can change. Same with Batman v Superman earlier. They cut, they cut out 30 minutes to that movie and it made the movie not flow together. Like the editing has to almost, it doesn't have to be, but I think it kind of has to be thought of before you make the movie. Like, I think there has to be a little bit of like, you know, where there's going to be some edits. I think you got to, yeah, you have to have an idea. I mean, that's, that's the other thing too. I mean, if, if you have it where your movie's like jumpy at all, or like it can, it can take audiences out of the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. truth be told, as well as just, you know, I feel like when studios get involved, that's when it's especially just kind of like it's just terrible. I mean, as we've seen with Zack Snyder, but I agree with you. And I mean, it, and that's the other thing a movie that's original, like collateral, where the editor was just able to splice it together, just awesome, man. You know, he just, they had free reign. It was great, honestly. Fun fact that I just was, I was reading, I was, uh, I was listening to you, but I was reading the Wikipedia little blurb right here about the movie. And apparently Russell Crowe and Adam Sandler were in talks to play Vincent and Max. And I'm making me think, I'm like, that also would have been a pretty cool movie. <laughs> like that would have, that would have been. We've seen how well Adam Sandler acts. And in, Russell uh, Crowe like, can be really intimidating. If he, Oh like, yeah. Dude, it, Unhinged. Unhinged wasn't a good movie, but it was entertaining. And to see him just like. Yeah. Get upset at the fact that someone like wouldn't move driving. I I I could see Adam Sandler and Max being switched out. I I personally I feel like Tom Cruise is Vincent. Like it's it's I don't think it would work without Tom Cruise. I think his performance in this is both his best to me, and I think it I think as great as everything else is, it's probably the best part of the movie. Like just seeing him in such a and going back to what you're saying, I mean it's just also great for you know, if listeners haven't watched the movie, unfortunately yet, it's also just great to see Tom Cruise in a role that's like mm-hmm. different. I mean, no, like, I think everyone it. who listens to this episode should, if they haven't seen Collateral, 100%. shouldn't be this far into the listen, even though well, we're yeah, a spoiler podcast, too, but, but, but also <laughs> go watch Collateral because it's, it's to me, it's one of the it's best really action good. movies. One of my favorite action movies I've seen. But, Third favorite Michael Mann film, I believe. Yeah, I, really um, like. I still need to see The Insider. I know that's your favorite, right? Yeah, dude, I love the entire highly uh, underrated. I said my favorite scene, which is the coyote scene. I like to ask what your favorite scene of the movie is or favorite part. It can be anything. And I think with collateral, we can wrap up. Yeah, um, uh, totally. Uh, I think I would say the nightclub scene, but this watch honestly kind of made me realize the buildup from the office to the train. I mean, the subway. I love that whole build up because honestly, like, although I saw it a year ago, I forgot what happened. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like that unpredictability that I really like as well as just the fact that, I mean, the characters were just so smart in those scenarios. I really thought it, it worked really well. Oh, that's also the biggest thing really that good. this movie has going for it is characters don't like in the decisions that they make, they always feel authentic and they always don't feel stupid. Like they always feel like the decision you could say, like, I would make that decision. Like, I yeah. feel like, like when Max is definitely out of his wheelhouse with taking on first with his whole Javier Bardem like pretending he's Vincent where all of a sudden he's like tells him like he's gonna like shove a cap up his ass and then (laughs) and then and then there's a scene with him taking on Vincent it feels really and the other thing I'll say is Tom Cruise is such a big movie star that in 04 when Jamie Foxx just outright shoots him in the ear you're like you're mind blown because you're uh, to the mean it's a movie I think is really unpredictable like I don't think you I don't think you like 
you think you don't know who's going to die. You're like, I think Max could die. Like I think, and that's, it has a really good sense of stake. And it also has a really good way of building tension, which Michael Mann knows how to build tension. He does. He's amazing yeah. at that. And honestly. also it's a flat 120 too. That's, that's, that's the thing is it's two hours and it's, it's flat 120. It feels good. Like it flows real well. It does. It gets better with each room too, which I yeah. always like those type of movies. Mm-hmm. I agree, but that's collateral. Do you have anything else you want to mention about it or you think you're good to go? No, I think I'm good to go. I just think it's underrated. So that's underrated. Why you're, you're doing the podcast on this because I think that it needs more uh, more mm-hmm. attention to be honest. No, that's what I want to... I mean, I, I like to do, as you've seen, I like to do big movies. I like to do obscure movies. I like to do movies like this where I think they're underappreciated. And then I like to do uh, movies that are so bad they're good which is actually next week we're doing uh louie and i are going to do a movie that's one of our favorites i'll tell you after but i like to keep it a little secret yeah no i get um, it. trust me i get it about that secrets <laughs> so i just i hope the best outcome for this is that people more people see collateral um it's on i think it's on is it on netflix or is it on hbo max or is it on, on like paramount plus right is it i don't know it might be i know it's because it's a paramount movie i'm pretty sure but rights are weird they're yeah I, they are that's a good point uh, it might be on Netflix now. I think I saw it on Netflix a, a little bit ago. I think I saw it was on there. Yeah. Uh, it's on It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. Awesome. And, and on IMDb TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Collateral. Uh, recommend it highly. One of my favorites. And I think with that, originally I was going to do pitches. So right. I, I have a pitch set up, but I think with the last little bit, it's better for me to just uh, do Will Prem Drive discussion. Perfect. Now, I, uh, with Wolf and Dry, I did want to say, um, we'll keep it sport, like you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I won't. Just, I won't. I won't. It'll just be more so. I want to know about. Um, I just want you to talk a little bit about like what made you come up with the idea, how you, um, how you, you know, how you, how filming went. I'd want you to tell the story about the fucking hard drive because I think that's huge. That's a really, really <laughs> yeah. Important people to hear and then um yeah just so i'm not honestly not even really gonna talk about plot because i think it's more so you should just watch it am yeah, I- you know you know i am man i'm like yeah. when it comes to the comes to the movie um yeah i mean dude all, all good questions i think the first one i'll say is that um filming first, went- before um before we should say okay. will pen drive you can obviously chad's got a youtube channel we're gonna plug it at the end um but you're releasing it on the youtube channel yep 10 p.m. Eastern time on the uh, the 17th. So that's next Saturday. Next Saturday, yep. Okay. Um, 101 minutes long. I did mm-hmm. cut down a couple minutes, um, as you know, you and I have discussed before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so the most frustrating thing about the film in terms of filmmaking was that I pretty much was done filming, released the trailer, and then two days later is when the hard drive gave out. And I tried to recover it. Um, but pretty much all the companies I went through, they all said that it wasn't recoverable. So thankfully, because I had a multi-camera setup, I was able to get the footage from like the other cameras that like we had, um, which again, I look back and in, Incisor, which was my, you know, obviously debut film, I look back and that was obviously, as you know, Eric, like a one camera setup, a single yeah, camera. I actually, um, I worked, on, out, yeah, I worked on Incisor. That. I wasn't able to do this one because it was involved. It was during moving and COVID and there yep. was all, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but, I, I've, you said you wanted to camera set up and I was like, uh, that's honestly, I, we talked about that. I don't usually. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Depends on 
what I'm feeling. But for this, right. if, if I had done a single camera setup, though, I probably would have only had 10% of the footage. And truth be told, I, I don't know what I would have done. So I was able to recover 60% because of the multi-camera setup. And I was able to shoot 40%. And honestly, it helped out because the movie... Before the trailer released, I had it at like two and a half hours. Which and then I, I, I don't know if it would have worked two and a half hours. <laughs> it chances. definitely would have. I mean, I knew I still had to edit. So I remember I cut it down to like two hours and three minutes. But honestly, the drive kind of helped me out with editing even more so, like, you know, additional 25, 30 minutes. But um, it was just crazy, man. Honestly, filming went well for the most part. Like I had a plan in Sizer. I didn't as much, but this I had more of a plan. And I knew what I wanted. Like most of the people on set didn't. And obviously I was very secretive with everything, but I knew what I wanted. And, you know, honestly, I'm very happy with the final product. I was inspired um, by several movies, but the first one, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to have a movie that I would want to watch. Like, you know, Incisor, I made it specifically because I was like, I want to try like my stab at like genres that, I find to be very difficult and subjective. Like Incisor, I made a comedy because I find it to, like I watch movies and I'm like, oh, comedies usually are ones that I feel kind of mixed about. So I wanted to try to, you know, have a stab at it. But then for Wilp and Drive, I wanted to make a movie that I wanted to see. I wanted to make like a movie that was very like artsy. And at the same time, you see one thing and you're just kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't know what's going on. And then things kind of get recontextualized as the film progresses. That's what I wanted. Also, I just wanted a movie that kind of makes you think and just is morally just kind of like, you know, muddled. I mean, that was just kind of what I wanted because when I watch movies and shows, that's I like that, you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, but to be honest, like I said, I'm very, very proud of the movie. I don't know how audiences are going to take to it just because, you know, it is dealing with some interesting topics, as you know, Eric. So it's just one of those things where I know I'm happy about it. And at the same time, because I made the movie for me, you know, it's what matters. That's so. honestly and what I'll say is um, I did see the movie and Chad and I had a discussion and I, I appreciated it a lot. And I'm obviously very proud that you you were able to, one, finish a movie in obviously like the hardest year ever to film. And also, yeah. two, somehow salvage it after you were able, after everything that happened. Um, yeah. I, I gave him a lot of... Uh, critiques just because um this is you know our relationship we love talent we love you know we love to be oh, honest yeah, we want to make absolutely. each other better and and um as filmmakers and as film viewers but uh the but um the thing i will say is that the most important critic that you need to impress is you and the fact that you the fact that you do enjoy it and the fact that you're proud i will say is i mean that's honestly like you want to just make it pure people you want to make a movie for people that for you and also people that you're that are like you who you know are going to end up enjoying it so it's you know and it's art so it's it, yeah. it, it's subjective and that's, that's I, and to be honest i knew making this movie i knew that this was something that i was going to market obviously so that way a lot of people could watch it obviously because it's marketed as a suspenseful movie and you know I, I guess you could almost argue it is but i marketed it that way also so that way it could get viewers but it's almost like it comes at night. Obviously this movie's not like it comes at night in that regards, but I just feel like once people watch, they're going to be like, I think you purposefully mismarketed it though. And you didn't even really yeah. mismarket it that much. You just like, I just showed the first act and I, as and you know, it, the second act changes a lot and you, you have know, to cut lot. and you have to cut a trailer. You have to cut it so that it entices people and you're going to, it's hard to showcase like 
exactly how yours goes because yeah it's 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 very it your movie's almost dependent on the fact that you have to see it once because you kind of have to know how it goes and then you uh, yeah go you, back and you have to almost watch it twice because and that's the thing man like you were one of five people obviously that like i was like look obviously the movie's made for me but the only reason i invited people. you on was for so i can get an early screener that was just how <laughs> that, was, that was this episode isn't even gonna air <laughs> but one thing i've noticed is that um unfortunately ryan r cabbage shout out to ryan hasn't seen it just yet but you and the other three people that have seen it you guys have all had like different takes and i think that that's the great thing as you've said film is art and i think that's what's the great thing about it you know especially with like picking up certain details obviously as a filmmaker you and i have discussed this before you put so much details into a scene but odds are the average person is not gonna yeah no there's a lot it's it's the one thing I'll say about this is I don't think it's an ex- I don't think it's as accessible as Incisor only because I think right. you go a little bit more, you do a lot more. You know, there's symbolism. There's there's a lot more nuance that you're adding in with um ten minute with, scene of no dialogue. Yeah, and yeah there's things. There's things you're being you know? a little bit more experimental with this as opposed to Incisor, which is a lot more streamlined as a movie. So which I wanted to. That yeah. that was my endeavor. Into, I mean, like, I don't think this one. I think this one works as your second. It doesn't work as your first. So I think. Oh this, no! Yeah, no. I think, no, I think no, Incisor no. had to come out first before this came out. So I'm. I, I agree. Mean, yeah. Um. Uh, let me think. Uh. Da, da, da. Just anything else you want to say about it? I mean, if you're any details you want to drop. Um anything that you want to tell i i know we're trying to keep this is weird because it's spoiler alert but we're trying to keep yeah i know i know so it's hard to talk <laughs> about 100 percent. but um just uh i mean how you how you feeling do you feel do you feel good you feel ready for it to come out are you are you i feel confident but to be honest like and i know you and nick obviously um agree with this and it's it's funny because as you know i've been a, a you know, YouTube critic for like a long time now. And it's just one of those things where you and Nick always talk about, and obviously listen to podcast makes me think more and more of it, but it's like, I'll watch a movie and it's like, obviously I'll critique it more than you guys. Cause obviously on Letterboxd, you guys don't do star ratings, which mm-hmm. before I didn't really understand. But now as you know, time goes on, I, I get it because it's like, when you watch a movie, it's like, if you give a movie, let's say like a two out of five star rating, it's like, that's something that was someone's vision. That was like, a hundred minutes that they had to cut and spend months, if not years, on. Except just for kind of Suicide because, Squad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, Except I mean, that's for that. something that that's something that's kind of made me made me think because it's like that's what I'm kind of like nervous about. Because I'm just like, well, you know, it, the tables have turned. The critic is now the person that's making a movie, and now he's the one that's going to be having. I mean, here's the thing that I'll say like, about that too. First. I mean, it takes a lot of balls to be able to put something out there that you made. I mean, and regardless of how people take it, it's it's scary because you're I mean, I can tell just from you talking, you're very, very happy that you made this. And like you have a lot of blood, sweat and tears, apparently a literal fucking knee injury (laughs) that I didn't know was happened. But um, yeah, yeah, man, (laughs) x-ray. I got an (laughs) x-ray. You have. So that's that's obviously really commendable. But the other thing that you have going too is. I think I was babbling on. We were talking about fuck. What were we talking about? That we were talking about how <laughs> movies are um, just like rating them and everything. Like, oh, oh, oh! The other thing is that honestly, I forget. So we can just go. We can move on. And we were talking about I was something about being. I said there were two things that you were need to be commended that taking putting movie out there really. The other thing I'll say is obviously like not everyone's gonna like everything you do. 
but right. the the but the thing that that matters is that someone's just gonna pull out your the thing that matters is that you just feel proud with it. And I think right. I think for me, I seen I see growth. I see that you I see that there's a lot of things you're trying, and there's some things that me when I saw it, I didn't think 100% worked. But I mean, that's the whole thing about the making a movie is that you're learning because you want to be able to keep getting better. So things that maybe don't work now work better in the next one. And the things that work now work better, even better. So it's like, I I see see things happening that are like interesting to me. And I do think this goes down a really weird path. Like I was actually very, we conceived a little bit early on before I kind of knew that I wasn't, um, able to work on it we were kind of had a little bit of a plot idea and it does mm. sort of follow it early but then it completely deviates away from where i thought it was going so that was that's and it's it was an you know it was an interesting an interesting journey for me and that's all yeah I the, and that's and that's the thing like you had an you had a reaction to the movie so like even though you know obviously you more respect because like you said it's it's hard to get a movie out there but you had a reaction to it and that's what i want i, I want people to react to it whether that reaction is good or bad at least they have a reaction i think that's important in movies because as you and i both know it's like you know movies they make us happy but they can also make us angry sad like that's what's great about them it's it's like a friend you know friends friends can give you all of these different kind of emotions and movies for me and like like you were kind of like friends almost you know yeah. and I, that's what i like about i feel like this movie like I, that I, was I, what i was gonna say i remember the uh, other thing i was gonna say was as a critic it gives you another tool as a critic because now you will understand exactly what goes in to where I think your critiques will be more earned for, which not to say they weren't before, but you will almost right. have even more of like a, no, I literally know every, like, because obviously I'm working more on a little, couple bigger productions than like right. all film productions are dude is they just kind of feel like student films and like films like the film you made you and just, the, you just, and nick were talking it's about just it's just bigger or, it's yep. just it's just bigger scale and it's just a little bit more it's a little bit more chaotic and a lot there's just more people moving moving the meter right. so that's but it's essentially the same thing and it'll just help you out with that but um I'm excited. I will watch it again when it, honestly, I don't know if the link still works for me. I can probably watch it again this week, right? Yeah. I mean, the link I sent you, um, I did edit like I'll probably out. catch it once it I want to catch it once it uh releases with the new cut. But yeah, I, I, I did cut a couple I changed a little bit of the music for like one scene and then I yeah. I did cut out like a couple things early on. But um um but I'm yeah, excited. For, but I'm very excited for you. I'm excited to see it again. And I'm really glad that you were here to talk about movies because it's nice to have, uh, I think this episode was even with Nick, you know, this episode was more like we really honed in on film. We really talked. So this, this feels like a different speed. It's, it's interesting getting other guests on your, on your pod because all my tones are off now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always, I'm always down uh, to come on. Like, you know, I'm always more than happy to, like I said, I respect the fact that, you know, you're doing a podcast. You know, it's not easy. I mean, it's like any art form. It's to answer your question that I know you're thinking, you passed, sure. you can be invited back. Oh, awesome. But yeah, <laughs> uh, what I want to do is before we go, I want to plug your first your YouTube channel. And I want to, obviously you're going to beef up. I want you to do a little bit of little pen drive selling. I'll plug my channels and then we'll call an episode. My YouTube <laughs> channel is uh, my first and last name, Chad Saborn, uh, S-A-B-O-U-R-I-N. Yep. He, uh, you know, Chad does a lot of movie reviews. Uh, he does he does a lot of lists. He puts a lot of top tens together. A lot of his ranked reviews are really really entertaining. I actually right, watch them. I watch them a lot of a lot of the time. They're actually my go tos usually for you. Is I'll go to your rankings because 
I'm more or less, I'm interested in rankings personally. So I think it's always like, it's something oh, dude, that I awesome. always like to see. Like, I love seeing how different people rank different directors, filmographies, but um, yeah, great. It's great about it. film, man. It's so subjective and you always see constantly changing. And then obviously uh, Will Pen Drive will be on there as well as Incisor. Your first movie's on there. Yep. It will be under, I have a playlist, like movies I made. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Will Pen Drive, it'll be, I have it as premiere mode uh, for 10 p.m. Eastern time on the 17th of April. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, so for us, you can follow us at We Spoil Movies on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at uh beef de bois <laughs> i tweet a lot uh chad doesn't actually have a twitter because he's yeah, a boomer. From, yeah. but um <laughs> no it's all good uh anywhere people can find you uh facebook uh anything people you know following letterbox you know just oh letterbox yeah. yeah yeah letterbox dude letterbox is awesome you yeah. can follow me there Chad uh, Saborn, yes. Chad and then uh, his YouTube channel. Make sure you follow him. I will be back next week with Louie again for some more, another review of a, of a so bad it's good movie. And it'll be <laughs> a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, I think this was a really, really good episode. I'm feeling good. I'm glad you were here, Chad. And we will see you next week. Or at least I. Yeah, will. man. I'll stay. I'll stay tuned next week. I'm, I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts. Alrighty. Bye, bye, everyone.